Our only claims to fame, uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982. And then, oh, gig them, y'all. Come on. And then, now, Linda, for four years, um, get this, she's, she held the career record for free throw percentage at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. So she is a minor celebrity, all right? This is big time. So it's our privilege to work with a lot of couples here in Reengage and our foundation groups and, and other ministries. And we're just seeing more and more couples that, that struggle sexually. And we know this can really be an area of significant pain for couples. And just know tonight that you can find healing through this. And so we want to talk about one very specific scenario tonight. And that's when one partner, one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other. Okay. So we'd like to start by sharing our own story in this area and then share some things that have helped us. So I spent about 13 years of my life living in rebellion against God, and I'd come to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. I had godly parents that taught me God's word and what God's word said about marriage and sex, but I did not consistently live and pursue the things um, of the Lord. I pursued the things of this world, especially in college where my poor choices led to many inappropriate relationships. And by God's grace, I saw that the way I lived um, was bringing nothing but heartache, guilt, and shame, and um, was able to come to understand that all my sins were covered, and that what he did for me on the cross paid for everything. And so, from going forward from there, my desire was to please the Lord, because I'd learned that that's where peace and blessing were found. Yeah, I also placed my faith in Jesus at an early age. Um, I remained a virgin until we married, but I had plenty of uh, sexual promiscuity, especially in high school. And I learned about sex primarily from culture. You know, in my church, we were just taught to stay away from sex because only bad things happen uh, until you get married. So as a firstborn, I complied, but honestly, it was a daily struggle against my hormones, often resulted in masturbation. I couldn't wait to have legal sex, but I was not really looking to get married until I met Linda in 1982. And after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew that she was the one. So we married 18 months after meeting. Now, this kicked off uh, phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, this talk started on a napkin at a restaurant. Um, We started drawing on the napkin kind of a picture of our journey which you're now going to see in this chart. Now, this chart, it's a little bit corny, but we think it's going to convey, uh, help convey the story. Okay, so the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue, Roberts. And during phase one, our desires were in sync, and we had a very robust sex life. But as young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really talked about. So our own experiences were our guide. And we were having a lot of fun. It never really dawned on us that couples struggled with sex. And even though I struggled with um, guilt and shame from my past sexual sin, I was reminded, the Lord constantly reminded me that I was, all my sins were covered and that by his grace I was able to go forward into marriage um, with a freedom in sex. So in 2008, phase two kicked off. This is when menopause hit. And I was not sure what was going on. I couldn't sleep or think. I had no energy, and my sex drive completely disappeared. I didn't want to hurt Robert, but I didn't know how to handle it, and I didn't want to know how to talk to him about it, so I just decided to avoid situations that might trigger his desire, like getting dressed in the same time. (laughs) 
doesn't take much. So I'm working with my doctor and trying to find something that would help me, but nothing was working. And then in the middle of all that, my dad died suddenly, and I found myself overwhelmed with grief, which only added to the struggle of menopause. Yeah, so during this time, I mean, Linda was sometimes avoiding me, which made her feel bad, and I didn't really know why, and neither did she. I mean, we were not quite sure what to do, so I just started adjusting my expectations, and while I was frustrated by it, I knew that she was grieving the loss of her dad, and so I just hoped she would snap out of it. Um, I hit 50 during this phase and started seeing the effects of midlife, including, you know, a little dip in my sex drive. You can kind of see that little blue thing drop a little bit. So in some respects... So to speak. In some respects, this was a blessing because it really helped me to lower my expectations regarding frequency. Now, during phase two, though, we were not in a desert. There were plenty of times of passion, just the frequency changed significantly. You know, for example, on our 25th anniversary, we were in Whistler, Canada, and we had a fun time in car number 23 on the mile long Whistler gondola. <laughs> <laughs> At least we showed restraint and skipped car number 22, which was the glass bottom car. <laughs> hey, and we always get this question, just so you know, it's, it's an 11-minute ride. So we still had plenty of time to see the sights, okay? <laughs> so a couple of things... Oh, man. A couple of things happened <laughs> in 2010 that led us to phase three. First, I decided to try hormone therapy, and after trying a few options, I found a combination that worked wonders for my energy and my sex drive. Um, I received treatments a few times each a year, and as you can see from the chart, every time I receive a treatment, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. And then second, I really grew in my dependence on the Lord. I attended the Watermarks um, Equipped Disciple Bible study program, and I learned how to dive into God's word and meditate and memorize his word and um, hide it in my heart and how to pray and journal. And um, I um, still was grieving at this time, so I was able to camp out in the Psalms, and it just really helped. So um, it was critical for me because um, when our sex drives slipped, there were occasions when Robert didn't seem to desire me. And I would start believing the lies that I was undesirable and start questioning my body image. But because of my time in God's word, I had the tools to fight these lies. I was reminded that what God tells me is true, that I made in his image, and that I'm precious to him, and he loves me dearly. So, I mean, today I can tell you that our sex life is better than ever. I mean, there are times when we're not as in sync as we once were. I mean, you can see that in the chart. But because we've each had seasons where we've been on the high and the low side, um, it's really allowed us to better understand each other and just have more compassion uh, for each other. So during this time, there, there, we started realizing there were four things that we learned uh, during this season um, that we wish we'd have known going into this. So we want to share those with you tonight. These may not have the answers maybe to what specific situation uh, that you're dealing with, but they were, these were helpful to us. And as if we shared these with others, we found that it can be helpful to others. So these four things. The first one is communicate. So we had to learn how to talk about this, and so must you. 
And look, I totally get how hard that can be. It was hard for us, and it's going to be hard for some of you to understand, I mean, to have that conversation. It's just going to be awkward. But let me tell you, it's important. It it is really important that you do that. Um, If you're personally struggling, you know, in the area of sex, you need to tell your spouse. Even if you don't know what is happening, which was often the case with us, it will be helpful to let your spouse into that struggle. So by not discussing it, you know, we just opened the door to miscommunications, uh, you know, between us. You know, plus you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. You know, we love Galatians 6 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So when Robert would want to talk about the topic, I would often take it personally. So if your spouse comes to you and wants to discuss it, it's just important to listen compassionately and with an open mind and hear their point of view. It really surprises how often one of us would be reluctant to discuss the topic, yet the other was thinking almost the exact same thing. Each time we talked about sex, it became easier to discuss the next time. And tools like the Reengage lesson on communication helped a lot. We've also learned that as awkward as it is, it's so important to communicate what you like sexually. Very awkward for me to do that. It was hard for me to share this with Robert, but he helped me to understand that I wasn't being selfish and that it was important to him to to please me. And so in a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually a way for y'all to love each other. So second point is don't pressure All right, so this is primarily for the spouse that has the higher drive. Um, When Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, dramatically, I I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. So sometimes I would just try to ask nicely. You know, I would come home from work. I'd say, hey, you feeling frisky today? Um, But that would often make her feel guilty and really put a damper on the evening. And here's just another pro tip. If, uh, if she's crying and you're trying to comfort her, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter, okay? <laughs> so here's a couple of things to think about. Um, let's look at what Paul said in Philippians 2. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, consider uh, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So we are called to mutually serve one another, pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. We've found that a better way is to go back to number one and communicate in a way that honors your spouse. Okay, so there were times when I would find myself frustrated, and that's when I've learned that expressing those frustrations to, to God and asking him to change my heart and allowing him to work in me made a difference. I found that my focus would change away from my needs and my desires. One of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment about what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way you are relating to them now? And if not, um, what will you do to change that? So point number three is don't withhold. So... This is primarily for the spouse with the, with the um, drive on the low side. So when my desire is lower, I really control the frequency with which we have sex. So how is a Christian who is in a position of power supposed to act towards those um, that they have power over? So consider what Jesus said in Mark 10. 
Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve, and that includes my spouse. Remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. You are it. And we've we found that some spouses really don't understand how much of a physical need sex is um, for, the, for their partner. So Paul understood this um, when he counseled couples in Corinth. So forgive us, it's kind of a long passage here, but there's some really um, good nuggets on here. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's so important that we don't take that gift back, even when the demands of life get hard. Sex starts in our minds. So when thoughts like, I do not want to have sex come into my mind, I try to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I've learned that when I've surrendered that thought to God, he will replace it with the desire to serve my spouse. But I must choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and allow God to work. Then once my attitude changes, then I can focus on ways to make sex work. I can remember when I was exhausted from nursing babies and caring for little ones and dealing with menopause and sex was the last thing on my mind. I had to find ways to be creative. So, for example, you can schedule, begin to schedule times for sex. We would trade off babysitting with other people. Um, And then um, a quickie works great, like car 23. And And then when intercourse is not an option, there are plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. Yeah, you can ask your re-engage leaders about that. I think that's a... I think that on the leader interview questionnaire, I think there's a checkbox for, do you have a creative sex life? And they have to say yes. So (laughs) ask your leaders. All right. So number four um, is share. So look, if you're struggling, it's wise to bring others into the conversation. Okay. This may be really difficult. If it's hard to talk to your spouse about it, how much harder is it to bring others into that conversation? So at Watermark, the first place would normally be with our small group uh, members, with the community group, you know, guys with guys and gals with gals. Let them be the ones to help you decide next steps to take. I mean, if you're not in a small group at your church, then your re-engage group might be a great, safe place to start doing this. Um, you've probably heard Proverbs 15:22 before. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So it's going to be helpful to have others around you because this can be complicated. I mean, sexual desire can be affected by all kinds of things, and Linda's going to share some of the things that we see most frequently. Yeah, sometimes there's something medical going on, so you need to find a a medical professional that can help you with that. Like with me, my hormone replacement therapy obviously made a big difference. 
And then for some couples, there's um, pain involved with sex, and this definitely needs to be shared with the doctor. But also, you may have something spiritual going on, and so you need to share that with your group and ask them to help you um, look at, take a look at your spiritual life because it is so closely tied to our sex life. And then decide if you are trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life. And perhaps there are some areas of your life that you still need to submit to him. One of the things of sexual abuse is part of your story. We have ministries here at Watermark that can help with that. And you can talk to your leaders about that. And the other thing is if you are involved in porn, we are begging you to please seek help because it will impact your intimacy greatly. Yeah, so we'll just land the plane now. So just, you know, in summary, four things. Communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. Uh, We don't like don'ts, you know, as a rule. So I would really collapse those two middle ones together um, and just say you should communicate, serve, and share. So we want to be crystal clear as we finish um, about one thing. You should leave here tonight with a desire to better serve your spouse. Guys, if all you heard tonight that your wife should not withhold sex, you have missed the point, okay? Gals, if all you heard tonight is that your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you have missed the point, okay? You must talk about this and come to a place where you are serving one another. And please understand, if if you do make changes tonight um, and uh, based on what you heard tonight and things don't improve immediately, don't be discouraged. Um, You know, it's going to take some time. And that's why that last point about sharing with others is so important so people can help encourage you uh, on your path. So, my friends, look, God wants us to enjoy this gift. He wrote a whole book of the Bible about it. Go read Song of Solomon. He wants us to enjoy this gift of sex that he gave us. So if you want to dive into this topic a little bit more, we do have a bunch of resources on the website, um, marriagehelp.org slash intimacy. There's a book that Linda has gone through with gals called Intimate Issues. It's listed on the website. That's a particularly good one um, for the ladies. So, you know, um, if you would like help navigating this, I mean, talk, talk to your spouse, obviously. If you have questions that you want to discuss, man, talk to your leaders. Um, man, if you think getting us involved would help, they know how to get in touch with us, so we would be glad to do that. So thank you for letting us share tonight.